You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore natia. So today is going to be very simple, at least very simple for me. But we once again get the great Mr. Mark Jarvis on the podcast to talk through um, a lot of things. And um, because it's a relatively long interview, I'm going to try to be a little less winded today. As a matter of fact, why don't we just skip all preliminaries. If you would like to help support the show, there are a lot of links in which to do so. Just check the description of the show. This week is draft week, man. Just, just get excited. Do it. So excited. But anyways, I'm going to upload this, and I'm going to very quickly try to put together one more video if possible. I put one up in the Facebook group of Raekwon Davis. I'm actually getting kind of tired of doing it. I've done it like four times already. But I'd like to do a wide receiver one. We'll see if we have time. Enjoy the show. I will talk to you tomorrow. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about uh, what you've been doing, if nobody knows who you are. And then maybe, I, I know last year you came out with a draft guide that didn't go exactly as you had planned, but what is your plan for that and maybe some way that we can uh, support you in that? All right. My name is Mark Jarvis. I am the owner of What's on Draft. Um, 
known a lot for my work with the database um, in terms of getting cut-ups and uh, scouting reports and that sort of stuff out there. Um, I run a YouTube channel, which mostly just has cut-ups on there, although I do do some occasional live streams regarding the draft on there. I will be doing a live stream throughout the draft all three days. Um, and then in terms of the guide, I put together a guide every year, pretty much all of my reports from the draft cycle and kind of pack them all into one giant guide. And that's uh, something that's going to be releasing here in the next few days. Once I get all the summaries uh, finished up and I've got all the grading done, I've got all the big board stuff done. I just got to kind of put it all together and get it released. So um, releasing for $15 and I firmly believe that there are a few draft guides out there that have that level of depth and uh, content in them. Nice. Yeah. And when you get that done, I'll, I'll post that up in the group or whatever, and probably do a giveaway actually is what I'll plan on doing. But anyways, let's, uh, why don't we just get started on this? I want to look at some of the more common names that uh, we've been hearing for the Packers at 30 and kind of just get your thought on them. Um, I, I don't know exactly probably the best way to do it. Why, why don't we do this? Let's do position by position. Okay. And I want to start with quarterback because as, Low of a possibility as it is that the Packers take a quarterback at 30. There is a lot of talk. They've been doing a lot of homework, a lot of research, uh, particularly Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. I'm just curious from your perspective, if you're the Packers GM, you're sitting at 30, which quarterbacks would have to be there for you to even consider it? I mean, the big three are probably going to be gone already. Herbert, Tua, and and Burrow are probably going to be long gone. Um, Love, I think, is going to go somewhere in that late 20s range, so he might be available I mean, I think Hertz is definitely going to be available. So those are, like you said, Love and Hertz are the two guys that are probably going to be in play there. Um, I, I don't know, man, because Love is one of those guys who he has that kind of all-world potential that you really just you fall in love with the arm, the ability to throw from different platforms and the potential. But his his final season at Utah State was pretty ugly, and he made some really bad decisions. I think Hertz is a little bit safer um, just coming out of the gate. You know what you're getting with him. Um, accurate in the short game, decent mobility. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he can run the offense for you. I think if you're going to roll the dice on a you know late first round quarterback, you might as well just try to you know shoot for the stars and, and hit your lottery ticket. And I think that's why Love would be a little bit more preferable. Um, and I think Hurts is more of a day two type talent and a guy that I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on um, at that point. Love, I I have as a day two talent too, but I understand the reasoning behind, okay, he's not going to make it today too, probably. We've got to, you know, swoop in and get him now. Um, and the physical ability uh, and the upside there is is worthy of that. It just depends on how much you love him. Okay, and I'm assuming no interest in Fromm or Eason? Um, Eason's more of a, in my opinion, a, a day three type guy. Okay. I know there's some love out there for him because he has a big arm and because there's a lot of potential, but he is just so far from ready right now. I think he's certainly way, you know, way down in the day three area. And for uh, Fromm, it the thing with Fromm in the first round is he might his peak is going to be Kirk Cousins. And do you really want to spend a first round pick on on Kirk Cousins if that like, that's the best you're going to get? You might get Andy Dalton, you know. So um, I think it's it's worth going over. And if they really really love him, it's not a bad investment. But you might end up just getting a career backup. And I don't know if you can really justify taking him that highly when there's a lot of other talent on the board um when you know his ceiling is kind of set as you know maybe an above average starter but that's pushing it so i don't think there's very many people that think it's possible that the packers are taking a running back but um it's it's entirely possible that i've been hearing rumors that they are number one so we'll at least touch on it but number two the interesting thing about running back is 
a lot of people think that there's a lot of talent at running back, but because of the lack of value of the position, you've got people saying, I love, for example, Swift and Dobbins and Taylor, but they could very well even slide into the second round, maybe not Dobbins or whoever, but I guess my question would be for running back, if the Packers decided to invest in who, who, for example, do you think is not going to be there? But also, what do you think you're getting in a player like Dobbins Swift or whoever it is that you think is a good player at 30? I think Swift's going to be gone by then. Um, I think he's going to be the only one gone by then just because what he brings in the pass game. Yeah. I know um, Edward Hilaire gets a lot of hype in that area, but I think Swift has better upside in that, uh, in that realm of the game. And I think he's a better natural runner than um, Clyde Edward Hilaire. So I would say Swift's off the board at that point. Mm-hmm. Taylor, he's not going to wow you in terms of the pass game ability, but like if you want a guy who can just step in, be that workhorse back, give him 20 carries a game. And I, I don't want to go overboard saying like possible Ezekiel Elliott type guy, but I think he's on that level. Yeah. So I think he could come in at you know round pick 30 and, and be a very, very strong starter for a number of years. I know there's concerns about can he hold up because he's had so many carries in the college career. Um, he's rushed over 900, or he's rushed over 900 carries. So there's questions about his, was his workload too much? Is his body going to break down? But he hasn't had any major medical issues um, in college. No character concerns or anything like that. So just a very clean cut, um, you know, natural runner who's going to be a very productive pro in my opinion. I think Dobbins is is in that same tier. I don't think he's as good long speed wise as Taylor, maybe a little bit more creative with the way he runs, um, able to win in um, uglier situations where he has to do more behind a bad offensive line. But I think he's in that same tier. Um, Edward Solaire is a little bit further down for me. I don't think he presents the same natural running ability as those two guys, but I do think he's certainly worth looking at at 30. I wouldn't go with him at 30. Um, I would pick between Dobbins and Taylor. And right now I'd probably lean Taylor um, just because he has the athletic testing to back him up. And um, I think he's a little bit more of a natural runner, a little bit more powerful, but it's really close between those two. So next up is is going to be the big one. It's uh, probably simultaneously the biggest need, the biggest want, and the the most amount of talent, which is wide receiver. First of all, first question, which guys are off the board at 30 in your opinion? Oh, man, we'd have to go through the list here to, to see who all is off. Judy's going to be gone. Lamb's going to be gone. I imagine Ruggs and Jefferson are both going to be gone. Um, maybe Rager. I think that's pushing it. I think Rager is right on that fringe. Um, of the guys available, I would say you've got Denzel Mims, Rager probably, um, and T. Higgins, and you know some of the other lesser-known guys like um, Pittman, Ayuk, and Chenault. So... I guess going through, we'll we'll leave off those four because I think that's probably true. I think there's a chance for Justin Jefferson, maybe, but probably not. But we'll go through the other guys. I took a peek at your big board, which is available now. Um, you can check out his Twitter if you want to see his big board. Um, there's a link to it there. But the one guy you're really high on that I can't seem to get my head around, and it's probably because the biggest thing for me is separation, but that's Denzel Mims. And I know he's super popular, and there's <laughs> talk about him possibly even going as early as like Denver in this draft. I just, I, I can't. When you're supposedly super fast and you can't run away from people, I just can't get into it. So sell me on Denzel Mims. Uh, and let me just say this. Even though, like, the fact Mims graded so highly for me, and I, I'm also very high. Like, separation is my biggest category. Yeah. I want to see that in every receiver, and he was still my wide receiver, too. It's kind of stunning. 
But when you look at the potential that he has in terms of jump ball, I mean, he has some of the most freakish body control that I've ever seen from wide receiver. He he's going to be that highlight real catch guy, and, and I'm not saying that's all of his game. Um, yeah. You know, he he's he's got more than that, but that ability is going to really stand out in this draft class. And I also I I know people don't care as much about blocking for receivers. He is the meanest blocker I've ever seen as a receiver. Um, so he's kind of that like you know field stretcher type of guy who you're just going to send him down there, get a one on one, throw it up, and he's going to win a lot of those. I mean, he's that kind of eighty twenty ball type of guy. And more so than a guy like T. Higgins, in my opinion, or, you know, I know Lamb gets a lot of love for his contested catchability. I think Mims is even better just because he's, I want to call it almost like ballerina-esque the way he can contort his body. And I think even though he's, he doesn't show the 4 3 9 uh, speed on tape, I think he has enough speed to test defenses vertically and be a threat in that area the way you kind of want him to. And he, I mean, he's not a great route runner yet. I think his, the way he's built, he's a taller, leaner guy with long legs, so it makes it hard to really, you know, get down and sink into his route breaks. But I think he's refined enough in terms of how he kind of sets up his releases, how he works guys to open up, um, open up their hips early and kind of create separation in that manner. So. I think there's a lot of things to love about him. He's he's a very much a boomer bust type guy, but he's someone that I would feel comfortable betting on because the highs for him, in my opinion, are better than almost any other receiver in the class. So on the opposite end of that, a guy that I really like that I think you're a little lower on is LaVisca Chenault. I actually did not like him at first until I went back and, and watched him a second time around and I started to really appreciate him a little bit more. But let's leave aside the medicals for now and just assume, okay. you know, if the medicals are bad, we don't like them. If they're good, then we'll disregard him as a player what do you like and dislike about LaVisca Chenault you know it's it's tough because there wasn't anything I really didn't like but there wasn't anything I really liked either yeah. really odd body type for a receiver it's six five uh six excuse me six foot five ace and 220 uh 227 so he's got almost like an a AJ Brown type body but he doesn't move the same way AJ Brown did um he can make some occasional sharp cuts but it's mostly very straight line-ish He's not going to wow you with his routes. His hands aren't going to blow you away. I think what people really fall in love with him is just his versatility. The fact that you can use him um, as that gadget guy. You can use him in the slot. You can put him on the outside. He played some H-back at at Colorado for some reason. Played some running back. So he's done a little bit of everything. And when you put the ball in his hands, he's a decent playmaker. I just don't see a guy who's going to find in the NFL, and I don't see a guy who's going to be able to get touches unless you kind of carve them out for him. And even when he does get cut touches that you carve out for him, I don't think he's dynamic enough to warrant them. Um, you know, like, let's say uh, K.J. Hamler, for instance. K.J. Hamler, you put the ball in his hands, he's fast enough, he's going to make guys miss, he's going to make plays. I don't know if LaVisca is kind of deserving of that same kind of, all right, we're going to find ways to get him the ball. Next up on this ridiculously long list, how about we talk about T. Higgins? Because <laughs> I'm a lot lower on T. Higgins than most, but I'm kind of at that point where at 30, you know, it's I'll, I'll deal with it. I don't, it's not, I'm probably not going to be jumping up and down screaming excited, but I'll, I'll, I'll understand it to some degree. What are your thoughts on T. Higgins? Is he as, as dominant as a big body wide receiver as a lot of people think he is? I don't think so. I think he's got really good hands. That's the one thing that really stands out with his game and the thing that you can kind of build around. But you compare him with some of the other guys in this class who have good hands, like like a Mims or even like a Michael Pittman. He just he's not going to separate easily. 
I think his route running has some great flashes. He just, even though he does have smooth footwork and, and he tries to be creative with his routes, it doesn't lead to separation. So he's going to be constantly, you know, in these contested catch, catch situations where, um, you know, sure, it's it's going to work sometimes, but there's going to be a lot of passes that come his way that he won't be able to win. Um, after the catch, he doesn't really present anything dynamic. So I think he's just kind of what you see is what you get. Big body target who you throw it up to him, he'll be a good option. But he's not going to be, in my opinion, the top guy for your for your team. Um, you're not going to be using him as your wide receiver one and expecting to get 100 catches a year or something. Like he's he's never going to be that guy. So you you need to if you go with him, you know you're getting like a wide receiver two who's a really good possession receiver, in my opinion. So. Being, I guess, a little dramatic about this, but one of the more controversial wide receivers, I guess you could say, as far as you know, late first, early second types, is Brandon Ayuk. I really mm-hmm. like Ayuk as a as a route runner. I think he's got a lot of, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's he's got that ability to separate, which I like, especially off the line, in my opinion. Um, but it it seems like there's a lot of a love hate. Some people just don't like him and think he's a throwaway late second, early third guy, and some still want to put him, you know, kind of late first. So again from the perspective of we're sitting at 30 and you know, whatever that there's a huge run on wide receiver, but Ayuk is there. Are you interested or are you ready to pass on him? I would pass on him. I wouldn't touch Ayuk until, you know, later on in day two at the earliest, just because there are some really good flashes in terms of, like you said, the separation, there are moments where you, you see it with them, but the inconsistency is just something I can't get behind. His hands were inconsistent. He wasn't always showing the kind of explosiveness that you expected. Um, didn't really show out at the combine either. He was expected to run faster than the four five zero he put up. So he's one of those guys who I think his his role is going to be more as that kind of developmental number two, number three receiver. And I just can't really get behind if you're if I'm drafting a guy in the first round at receiver, he better come in and have star potential in my opinion. Yeah. All right. I wanted to end with my final two here. We'll go with probably at least it used to be the the fan favorite for the Packers, Mr. Jalen Rager out of TCU. Um, there was a little bit of concern about his 40 time at the combine, but I think anybody that watched him on tape had to know that that was a bit of a fluke. There's no way as fast as he is on that football field that that was it. And we had a little bit of confirmation with his unofficial pro day numbers. Looks like they were at least in the four twos. The guy can jump out of the stadium. What are your overall thoughts on Jalen Rager? Is he just a fast high jumping guy or is he a legit wide receiver? And would you consider him at 30? Well, let me state that I, I don't trust any of these pro day numbers, man. It is just right, you I see agree. guys who on tape are running four seven, going out and running a four three at their confirmed pro day. Cam Dantzler ran a four three something after running a four six at the combine. So you don't trust the pro day numbers, but I will say I do think Reger is faster than what he ran. Um, you know, ran that four four seven when he was expected to run closer to a four three flat. Yeah. Um, all the athletic testing from TCU and they're pretty legit about their numbers most of the time. Um, has said that he's he's much faster than that. He was in Feldman's freaks list, so he he has legit speed, and you can see it on tape too. Um, I think he's he's certainly a ways out from reaching his potential. Um, right now, you might just want to stick him in the slot and have him be that kind of deep threat who can stretch the field, threaten safeties, and win purely on athleticism. But he's you know very natural out of his route breaks. Um, has really good hands, can elevate for a guy who's smaller. He really intrigues me. Currently, my wide receiver five, but it's really close between uh, him and a couple other guys. So I would say Reger is certainly worthy of that pick if you believe that the athletic testing in the four four seven was not a fluke. Um, if you if you believe if or excuse me if you believe it was a fluke, 
if you think that that's all just like he did, he would did better on tape than that showed, um, then I would say go in on him. Um, if you think that's who he is as a four four seven, um, you know, two hundred pounder who's kind of plays small, um, then you wouldn't. But I, I think um, he's certainly faster than his testing showed, and I think he's he has potential to be a very very solid receiver at the next level. And then the final guy I wanted to save for last, because he's not only my favorite receiver, not necessarily that I think he's the best, but he's my favorite. He is one of my favorite guys in this entire class, and that's Mr. K.J. Hamler. (laughs) Fully understand his limitations, purely a slot guy, smaller, you know, probably concerns about his ability to hold up or whatever. But that separation, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable to me. I don't even care about his straight line speed and his 40 time. His ability to just get off the line and have that two, three steps wide open I just I'm a huge KJ Hamler fan. So anyways, leading leading off of that, what are your thoughts on KJ Hamler, what he can do at the next level? And as always, at 30, are you considering KJ Hamler or are you passing? Well, one I will say I'd pass, but I, I understand the reasoning here. He's kind of like Marquise Brown in terms of the way he moves and how he creates separation, just how athletic and how explosive he is. I completely get it. Um, small catch radius and ability to get off press concern me though. Um, you're going to be tested a lot more at the next level in terms of play strength, and I don't know if he has that, so that's a concern for me. And he seems like he's been kind of a faller during this process, so he might end up going closer to you know back at round two. So you might you might get another swing at him if you don't get him in in the first round. So you'll probably have a shot or two at him uh, after the first round. But uh, I, I completely understand the reason to fall in love with KJ Hamler. I understand why you'd want to take him um, in in the top thirty, but. He's just one of those guys who I think he's too high risk of just completely being a non-contributor. Like, even if you take Rager, you know he's going to contribute. He might not be the greatest, but he'll contribute. Mims, he'll contribute. With Hamler, you're, I mean, you could get a stud or you could just have a guy who's just basically a returner and that's it. You have broken my heart. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's go over to tight end. Um, So uh, let's start with this. Who is your favorite tight end, and what is the absolute earliest you would draft him? Because I know this is not a super strong tight end class and not a whole lot of excitement about any of these guys, but who's the best, and where would you take him? You know, I've got the easy answer for best, but you put me on the spot on where would you take him. <laughs> I mean, that, it, is, it is an ugly tight end class, man. I've got, I've got one second rounder, one third rounder, um, three fourth rounders, two fifth rounders and the whole bunch of you know late day three guys so it is it is a bad class to need a tight end um my number one tight end is adam troutman from dayton um he he really put on a show at the senior bowl and i think the senior bowl performance showed that he's kind of on the upswing he's better than what his tape showed uh his tape wasn't bad by any means he's still learning in terms of his blocking um and just getting the angles down and getting used to it um, play strength wise, he seems like he he can make that transition in the next level pretty well. Good body type, six five, two fifty five, kind of the prototype tight end that you want. Um, his hands are, like I said, were way better in mobile than they were on tape. But that's one area where he kind of stood like at the Senior Bowl in practices. He looked like a future first rounder. Um, I I think the earliest he's going to be considered is probably. I would say somewhere early mid second round. Um, I have him number thirty four overall. Um, and I think that teams are going to start looking at tight end and looking at him as the top guy, you know, right after the first round concludes, they're going to start talking about, okay, where's Troutman going? Um, but after him, it's, it's pretty rough. I don't have a whole lot to expand on that, but the only thing I'll put you a little bit on the spot. Do you have any recollection 
where you had Jay Sternberger last year and where you might have put him as far as ranking this year? I think I had a fourth on Jace, okay. somewhere in that round uh, range. I, I think he was kind of in that ballpark for me. So um, okay. in this class, I would say Jace was probably, he's probably right in the mix for like tight end three, tight end four. I think yeah. there's kind of a cluster you've got. Um, I think Bryson Hopkins is, is a pretty comfortable tight end two um, out of Purdue. And then you've got a few different guys. Um, Cole Kmet from Notre Dame's one that's gotten a decent amount of hype. Um, he might go in that round three range to Guar from Cincinnati. A um, couple other guys, but that's kind of the that kind of cluster there in round three, round four. I think Sternberg would kind of fit in somewhere in that mix. That's kind of been the talk too, is you know, it, it, more or less not so much piping up Sternberger, but talking about how bad this class is because I, I would kind of agree. I think I went back and watched Sternberger and a couple of these guys. I think I had him like two or three, and it, it was it wasn't even that far off because I was a little bit iffy on the guys that were a little higher. But yeah, I'm just. Not, I mean, there's some guys that I like, but no, nobody is just like that guy's a freak and needs to go early. The types of guys in this class are really, I would say, receiver oriented at tight right. end. You look at like a Harrison Bryant, a Hunter Bryant. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying Albert O's receiver oriented because he's, he still has a lot right. of developing to do. But like um, DeGuara, Tom Powell from Portland State, Hopkins. I mean, there's there's a lot of very receiver oriented guys. Um, and Sternberger was, in my opinion, coming out of uh, Texas A&M, more receiver-oriented. So he's kind of in that same mix of, like, this would be a very good class for him to fit in and kind of try to be the top of the receiving tight ends. Um, but, yeah, he'd probably be in that tight end three, tight end four inch for me in this class. All right, let's look at uh, offensive tackle now. So kind of similar to uh, wide receiver, I guess. Wh- which guys are you ripping off the board? They're not going to be there at 30. Um, everybody in the big four is gone. Okay. Worse, Thomas Wills back in. They're out. They're out. They're long gone by yeah. then. Um, I would say Isaiah Wilson is in play, but barely. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's really big uh, potential for him to go maybe in the late teens, early twenties. Josh Jones as well, I think, is going to be in that mix there. I've heard love for Ezra Cleveland from uh, Boise State. I think he's going to still be on the board. I don't see teams loving him just because of the questions about play strength. Mm-hmm. Austin Jackson, I've also heard a lot of love for as a potential you know, mid-late 20s type of guy. Um, but I have concerns for him as well about play strength and technique, those same ones I have for Cleveland. Um, if there's anything I've noticed, it seems like NFL teams always value you have to have that anchor over anything else. doesn't matter if you're athletic, you have to have anchor. Um, so I think they're going to be a little bit lower on Cleveland and Austin Jackson. So I would say of the guys available, I'm going to go Isaiah Wilson, um, Isaiah Wilson, Austin Jackson, Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, and pretty much anyone outside of that top five that is a worse Thomas Wills back then, and maybe Josh Jones, I think, goes in the 20s. Okay. So let's... It's it. There's so many people all over the place. It's hard to put your finger it's a, on. It's the best offensive tackle class I've ever seen, man. I don't yeah, think we'll see I, like this for a long time. I don't even know where to begin, but I, I'll just pick out a couple names that are at least common as far as mock drafts or whatever. I want to start with the one guy that I really, outside of the top four, there's really only one guy that I very much like, and that's Lucas Niang. So I'm curious your thoughts on him. That's an interesting one because Niang, he played pretty much all right tackle at TCU, and he's kind of a big body guy. I know he only weighed in at 315, but he played probably closer to 330-ish, and he's just that kind of, I don't want to call him a mauler because he's not necessarily just a mauler. Um, he's very athletic for his size, 
but he's that big-bodied guy who's just going to eat up the right side. I don't think you're going to play him at left tackle early on, probably a developmental guy in terms of that. Um, but I do think he has the potential to be a very solid starter, and I like him a lot, but <laughs> this is how deep the tackle class is. I think he's going to be a good starter. I have him at tackle 10, <laughs> so <laughs> that gives you an idea of how crazy this class is. Yeah. All right, so let, let, let's just change it up a little bit. I'm going to pick four guys, and you just tell me your thoughts on how you would rank them. And again, completely random, because I could probably scroll down this list and pick anybody that could have been available at 30 that's in play. But I'm going to say Nyang is one, so you already talked about him. Josh Jones is a very, very popular pick for the Packers at 30. Um, Austin Jackson, not quite as popular, but I know his name kind of hovers in that area a lot. And then Ezra Cleveland is another guy that I've watched, and I'm not a huge fan of i understand it because he kind of looks like a i don't know an ogre to the from the standpoint of he's he's a big strong dude but i i don't know i just don't trust him as much so of that group yang jones austin jackson and ezra cleveland how would you rank them who would you say would be probably the best at 30 and then you know i i suppose maybe keep in mind we're mostly looking for a right tackle but either way just in general the best player of that four. Oh, let, let me just throw this out first that is if you're looking for a right tackle uh isaiah wilson is probably my guy just six six three fifty um man eater i mean if, if you miss out on beckton he's probably your second best bet nice. um not as athletic as beckton but he he's a very very good right tackle and and i think he's probably going to be in play there uh, i think he's definitely gonna be a first rounder but out of the group that you gave me i would have jones one Niang two, Cleveland three, and Jackson four. And I think there's a pretty big gap between uh, I, I, gap between Jones and Niang isn't really steep. Um, I think Niang is probably a little bit safer, even coming off the medical issues, just because Jones, his technique needs some work. He's certainly a, a super athlete, has a ton, a ton of potential, but I think he's a little bit further away. Um, but then you get down to Cleveland, who I have a day three grade on Cleveland. And I have a UDFA on Jackson. Uh, Cleveland, I know people love that athletic athletic testing. I didn't yeah. see it on tape. I saw a guy I who was either. a solid athlete, but I didn't see a guy who was like, you know, elite special guy in space um, or in terms of lateral movement. So I didn't see that. Play strength, like I mentioned earlier, is my big question for him, and he got pushed around a little bit too easily. Um, I have some serious concerns about can he become a legit, you know, NFL strength level guy um, in the next couple of years. And Jackson, man, he's just – his technique is nowhere near where it needs to be. He has so much cleaning up to do. Uh, there there are a couple flashes here and there, but I just can't get behind him in the slightest bit just with all the work he needs to do from a technical standpoint. So let's flip over to the defense now. One of the other needs for the Green Bay Packers is defensive line. Wait, wait, um, wait. Let me let me throw one more thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. There's a guy who is being very overlooked right now by the media. Um, granted, I have him at tackle 11. Matthew Pert from Connecticut. Okay. Um, he's he is six six five ace three eighteen, thirty six and five ace inch arms. Um, he's a giant. He has um, incredible athleticism. I think he's going to go probably back of the first round, even though he's not getting okay. any hype near there. Um, I know we mentioned earlier, like people are probably going to be really off in terms of what the NFL does and what the mock drafts are saying. I think Pert might be an option at thirty. He's a guy that. If Wilson and Jones and some of these other guys are off the board, I think they might go with him over Niang. So he's one I want to just throw out there as just kind of a throwaway, you know, sleeper that I think yeah, might actually be in play at 30. But anyways, defense. Yeah, so so we got our top two, Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. I'm assuming you think they're gone by 30, correct? Oh, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to touch on that so much and, and 
and me embarrass myself by explaining why mm-hmm. I don't like Javon Kinlaw as much and you're super high on him. But I guess the biggest I'm I'm super excited about getting another defensive tackle. I'm just not as excited about a lot of these guys. I, I I'm all for the the idea of taking a tackle at thirty. Who would you say are some good names that might be available at thirty? that you like, obviously I'm a huge Raekwon Davis fan. I doubt he goes at 30. I'm guessing he's more of a second round guy, but who are some names that you think would be solid at 30? And what are some of their attributes that you would say would, well, I guess are their biggest attributes. There's only one guy I kind of would like at 30 that I think could be there. And that's Neville Gallimore, okay. uh, six, two, three or four ran a four, seven, nine, 40. So he's certainly one of the freakiest athletes we've seen come out in a long time at defensive tackle. Um, played at 330 in 2018, played as a nose tackle for Oklahoma, and he dropped weight and, and looked a lot better this past season. But incredibly fast hands. He has some incredible flashes of pass rushing ability. Um, there was always just a little bit more that you wanted to see out of him uh, at the Senior Bowl in terms of the practices. He just never really dominated the way you want him to. Um, but the potential is there to be a very, very special, just, you know, one gap and penetrating type defensive tackle who's just going to get after it and, and go hunt down quarterbacks. So I think he's a strong investment to make in 30. And I have him in my top five, actually. I'm, I'm surprised he landed that high. Um, but he's certainly a very, very talented guy and someone that I could get behind absolutely at 30. Uh, beyond him, my next top guys are... are um, Le- uh, Lecky Fotu from Utah, which I think he's more of a run defending day two type guy. Ross Blacklock from TCU, who uh, a little bit undersized, about 290 pounds, you know, kind of plays the same role as Gallimore does in terms of just trying to be penetrating, get in the backfield, get a sack, but he's not nearly as athletic, um, in my opinion. Um, Raekwon Davis, you mentioned, I also, I would agree with you. I don't think he's going to be there, um, in terms of going late day one. I think he's gonna be more of a day two guy, um, and then lastly, I would throw in Justin Matty Buicky from mm-hmm. Texas A&M. Um, very good tester. A little bit undersized, about 6'2 293, but ran in the 4'8s. Um, just did very well overall at the combine. I think his tape leaves a lot to be desired. I think he needs to improve his strength at the point of attack. But I do think in terms of athletic ability and just kind of what teams want um, as a pass rushing defensive tackle nowadays, I think he's going to be in play at 30. So... If I had to guess who they're most likely to go with at 30, I would say Gallimore or Matabuki. Um, and I would probably say they lean Matabuki just just because he's, uh, even though I prefer Gallimore, I know other people like Matabuki more. So moving on to linebacker, which is a really big need for the Packers. Um, obviously, Simmons is long gone. There's it, Linebacker's a little weird, though, because first of all, from what I can see, most people seem to like Queen more than Murray. However, the assumption seems to be, anyways, that Murray's going to go relatively early and Queen is going to be a little later in the first. So do you think, first of all, that those two guys are going to be available or gone? And then how much between the top three, I'll say, do you really like these guys, Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, or Kenneth Murray, or don't like them, I should say? Uh, I'm going to first say that um, I have a different linebacker, too, than everybody else behind okay. Simmons, and we can touch on that here in a few. Sure. I have Queen comfortably at linebacker three, and I'm very low on Murray compared to a lot of people. I have him at linebacker 11. So Murray, the thing with him is he's supposed to be this like weight room phenom, team captain, leadership extraordinaire guy at Oklahoma. And that's kind of why I think people are expecting him to go higher is because of the intangibles are, are through the roof. He tested incredibly well, ran, I think it was a 4.52 at 240, and he's got a really good body type for linebacker, balked up guy who just loves to hit. 
So the intangibles and the, and the potential there are so high for Murray. I think that's what people are betting on. Um, in terms of just day one starting ability, I think Queen's a little bit better. He's a little bit more reliable. Um, he's not going to light guys up like Murray does, but um, decision-making, a little bit better. Um, I think the angles are smarter, better in coverage. Uh, Murray's a little bit stiff in terms of the way he moves around in coverage, so that's a concern. But yeah, I would say Murray's pro- Murray and Queen are both probably going to be in play late round one. My thought is, um, even though with all the the personality things that people love Murray for and, and why they're talking about him going earlier than Queen, um, if everybody in draft media is saying they don't like Murray that much, which it seems to be that way, everyone I've talked to does not like him that much, I think that's going to translate to teams. Because you, you know you know how draft Twitter is and how guys yeah. in the draft media are. They're kind of a hive mind. So mm-hmm. if they're all hive mind together, um, you know, it's it's like, okay, if if – the hive mind says, oh, yeah, Murray's supposed to go, you know, early, mid-round one, and we think he's more day two. I think that says something about how they're evaluating him and how they're just kind of seeing his tape. And I think NFL teams are going to see that the same way. Um, and then just to go to my guy who I think is a little bit better than both, I don't think he's going to offer the same upside as like a Patrick Queen, but Logan Wilson from Wyoming might be a sleeper in play there. Okay. Um, t- tested way better than expected. Kind of the same, I wouldn't say the same body type as Murray because he's a little bit more um, lower built. Like Murray's real heavy up top. Uh, Wilson's a little bit heavier down down below. Um, but very, very intelligent guy. Um, three-year team captain at Wyoming. Squeaky clean off the field. Leadership, all that. You're getting a lot of the same qualities that you get in Murray. But I think he's a little bit more sound as a tackler and just a little bit more consistent with the way he handles coverage, even though he's kind of a similar athlete to Murray. So... Just to kind of hone in on it, at 30, if the Packers took a linebacker, which ones would you look at and and would make you shake your head the least, I guess? I'll phrase it that way. Which are somewhat (laughs) acceptable. Would Patrick Queen be okay with you? Yeah, I'd be be fine with Wilson Queen. And and as much as I have questions about Murray and as low as I am on him, I wouldn't hate it just because of the potential and the type of guy he is. if, if you want, I can make it. What type of guys do you like at linebacker in terms of what the Packers want? Cause... Well, I mean, the, the Packers are all about athleticism. If you look at the last two guys that they got, Oren Burks, and then I can never remember his name, the seventh-round guy, but he's pure athleticism to the point where you watch them try to play the run and you just shake your head. But <laughs> they're fast, right? So I'm not a fan of that, but let's just say that's what the Packers want. I would probably say Patrick Queen. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, he He's not, you know— far and away more athletic in terms of testing than Murray, but I think on tape he's way more athletic. So I would say between those three, Queen is usually the best athlete on tape, and I think he'd be the guy if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right, let's change gears here a little bit. So kind of we'll circle back a little bit. I don't think we're going to touch on all these positions, but I kind of want to do exactly what we did with linebacker, where we're kind of just talking more about traits a little bit and just kind of see which guys kind of come to your mind, I guess. So linebacker Patrick Queen kind of makes sense as far as his, you know, what his makeup, as well as um, picking at 30. Who are some other guys, maybe not quite at 30, that when you hear, you know, not inept against the run, but clearly more of a coverage guy than a run-defending linebacker? That's tough because there's a lot of guys that I'm a lot higher on than general draft media is that I think could be in play there. 
um, not at 30, but just in general as speed right. linebackers. Francis Bernard from Utah didn't test particularly well, but I think he's very, very good in coverage and, and a solid athlete, even though the numbers don't show it. I think he's probably more of a day three guy. Um, same with Kalike Hudson from Michigan. Uh, Kalike kind of played that role between safety and linebacker, hybrid type of guy. Only weighs about 225 pounds, undersized for linebacker, but he flies around the field. Um, very energetic guy and a guy that you, you kind of want to fall in love with. Um, and then Akeem Davis-Gaither, we talked about him prior to recording this, but uh, he played a little bit of inside linebacker at the senior bowl and looked good there. Undersized, kind of like Kalike is at about 225-ish. Um, but he has this energy to him that you just can't help but fall in love with. I don't know if they love him as a, as an inside linebacker, but I think the versatility you have to play him inside outside um, makes him as a as a possible maybe late round two, late round three type guy uh, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't think he's getting out of day two. Troy Dye from Oregon, he has a lot of work to do in terms of just being a more consistent tackler and, and being more sound with the way he plays. But I think he's, in terms of leadership qualities and the things you kind of want in a linebacker, there's a lot of room to grow with him and a lot of reasons to love his tape. I think he's going to be more of a round four type guy. He might be one to look out for. And then lastly, I'll throw a kind of a sleeper here, Davion Taylor from Colorado. Another undersized guy at about 230-ish pounds, 225. Played almost like a nickel roll for Colorado, was out there covering receivers and stuff. His versatility and speed is kind of, I don't want to say unmatched in this class, because um, obviously you have Isaiah Simmons, but it's it's very far up there. Former track guy, um, ran it, I think it was in the 4-4s, and uh, he, he's new to football. He didn't play football in high school. Um, started off in Juco and then transferred into Colorado and played there and, and did a phenomenal job for you know how young he is. But undersized, but man, he, he can fly. He's kind of like a, a little you know linebacker-nickel hybrid that I think uh, there could be some love for in, I would say, early, mid-day three. All right, doubling back to defensive tackle now. Um, the most important thing for any defense is going to be able to get to the quarterback. So I don't want somebody that's inept in that category. However, I don't know if you remember watching the Packers against the 49ers in the playoffs. They got absolutely embarrassed on the ground. And the biggest thing is these guys just got pushed completely out of the way. So this is, you know, it's a very good offensive line. They pushed these guys wherever they wanted them to go, and they ran all over the Packers defense. Mm -hmm. As a defensive tackle, again, not inept as a pass rusher, not a guy that's just, you know, 400 pounds and stands there and doesn't get moved, but I want a guy that doesn't get moved. I'm talking about he just extends his arms. You're not going to beat him one-on-one. -on -one. He can take on double teams if need be, um, and is just going to be a run-stopping stud. Who are the first guys that kind of come to your mind that would be available at 30 and then maybe beyond 30 uh, some prospects? Oh, well, we mentioned uh, Fotu and, and, and Davis earlier, Raekwon Davis and Lucky yeah. Fotu, and I think those are the two that jump out in my mind. Um, those are more day two guys, maybe late round two, um, you know, somewhere in round three type range. But those guys are, they're not completely inept as pass rushers. I like Fotu a little bit more than Davis in that area. Um, I think Davis is a little bit better as a pure, you know, two gap run defender type guy just because he's so big, long arms. He eats up space like very few guys I've seen. Um, Fotu, a little bit more of that, you know, I wouldn't say he's like smaller by any means because he, he's a massive human being. He just doesn't have the same kind of length that Raekwon does in terms of how he plays the run. Um, but I think he brings a little more juice as a pass rusher, not necessarily in terms of, um, pass rush diversity, but just, he's a little bit more athletic and get loose a little bit, um, harder target for guards and centers to kind of nail down, um, in their pass protection. And then one guy that I would throw in probably more of a round four, round five guy. 
uh, Davon Hamilton from uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State, who um, only a one-year starter, didn't get a lot of hype going into the season, but it proved he can hold up and run defense very nicely, and, he, and he's not too shabby as a pass rusher either. He got a little bit of a buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl, uh, so he's got to look for in you know that round four, round five range. Who I'm not saying he's ever gonna, ever is going to be a world beater, but I think he might end up getting starting reps down the line. So you you covered pretty well offensive tackle already, but I want to throw in one more wrinkle there. Um, we're looking again for a, a primarily a right tackle. But one thing the Packers have always really, really liked, but especially now with Matt LaFleur in the outside zone kind of running scheme, is athleticism. So if I'm looking for a guy that's going to be playing right tackle, that's going to protect Aaron Rodgers, but also has that ability to get out in space, who who are some names that kind of pop out to you? It's tough because it depends on if you're looking for a guy who has great play strength as well. Because if you're looking, it because there's so many ways you can go about this. Matt Pert, I know I mentioned him earlier from Connecticut. He's not a strong guy. You might have some questions about his anchor in the past game, but very athletic and get out in space. Prince Tegawanogo from uh, Auburn, a um, little bit better anchor than what Pert has, and but incredibly athletic. But was supposed to run in the four eights, but ended up not testing due to an injury. Um, Josh Jones, um, I think he could play right tackle if you really wanted him to. Obviously, it depends on him being there. Ben Barch, I think, is more of a natural left tackle, even though he has short arms at 32, 78-inch uh, arms. Um, so he's a little bit of a, a, I wouldn't say a lighter guy, but kind of just a little bit more of a condensed body type, but incredibly athletic, um, former tight end, and has all of the just the tools that you want as a, as a future tackle. Um, and Robert Hunt isn't going to be a, a burner by any means. Um, I know a lot of people like him at guard, the uh, Louisiana Lafayette guy. But I think he's one of the nastier um, guys in the run game in this entire class. I would argue the nastiest, honestly, and I, I love his tape. So um, I think he's an interesting one as well. I don't know if any of those guys are going to go at 30 other than maybe Josh Jones and, and Matt Pert. I think Hunt, Barch, and, and Winoga are all more like round two, round three type of guys. I think that's kind of the sweet spot for that you know, second tier of tackles, and that's where I'd be looking at those guys. So my one wrinkle for tight end, and I know that you had mentioned that these are mostly receiving type tight ends. If I said that I want a guy that's a little bit more balanced, let's, you know, we got Mercedes Lewis on the team now, let's say a little bit more in that direction, a guy that's going to be ap- absolutely helpful as a blocker, not inept as a receiver. Who who are you kind of leaning toward a little bit more there? Is it still Troutman is your guy? Troutman's still my one, no okay. doubt. Um, but it gets kind of murky after that because all the guys after that, for me, for the most part, are just those receiving type guys. Um, maybe like DeGuar from Cincinnati is an H-back type. Uh, he played that at the Senior Bowl a little bit. He has some experience doing it, so that might be interesting. Cole Komet, he's, he has all the traits he won as a blocker in terms of just the size, the potential, but he's so far from where he needs to be right now in that area. You know, almost 6'6", 260, and, and he's he's a big man. But he just doesn't have the refinement in that area of his game that you really feel comfortable with him as that type of balanced guy. He's a lot more projection than some of these other guys. Um, if there's one guy I'm looking at who just kind of, you know, you know what you're getting, um, Devin Asiasi um, from UCLA. He's, you know, quality size at about 260 pounds. Decent, decent route runner, decent uh, catcher as well, but like, He's just very balanced between being a solid run blocker and being able to contribute as a low-end pass game type guy. So he's not going to blow you away, but I think as a round four, round five type guy, if you buy into the character, I think um, he's he's a good option around that range. 
I'm not sure if we can narrow down wide receiver much any more than we did, <laughs> but let's let's uh, let's throw a couple things out. I'll take KJ Hamler off the list myself because I don't want a guy that's purely a slot because we need a number two opposite Devontae Adams. So he's got to be able to stand opposite Devontae. Versatility to go into the slot on, on occasion is, is a bonus, but you have to at least be able to stand on your own. And I do not want a guy that is purely a 50-50 guy. You've got to be able to get some separation. And also, the, the Packers do like speed. I, I don't care quite as much, but they have been – every time they go get a wide receiver, this guy is just blazing fast. So he's got to have some speed. He's got to be able to separate. Um, and he has to be able to stand out on the out, out on the edge, not just as a uh, slot guy. So maybe kind of, if at all, narrow down the – top guys at 30 but also some guys maybe we didn't talk about that you think could be available second third and beyond you, you kind of massacred my list there i mean you, you're asking <laughs> for quite a bit here um i know well we got it's speed. a good group because okay so just going through here kj hill uh he's my wide receiver three and i love him quite a bit i know with his athletic testing he's not going to go round one probably not going to go round two um i think if you really wanted to bet on him late round two or somewhere in round three as a guy who he's very crafty route runner, always finds separation, reliable enough with his hands. He's going to be that very solid, could be inside-outside type guy. He's going to find release from press, um, be very effective, just however you want to use him. He's not going to burn you over the top. Um, that's not his game, but I think he can be um, threatening enough downfield to kind of draw defenses out a little bit and, and make them nervous. So K.J. Hill is the guy that immediately stands out to me, although speed is a question for him. Um Going through the list here, Antonio Gandy Golden. He he's not the fastest guy, but he he's he's kind of more of a contested catch guy. I think he has um I don't want to say DK Metcalfish traits because he's not as explosive as Metcalf was, but like you know how Metcalf, even though he was more of a kind of a one route type runner, like he would just go in vertical, he was so creative with the way he could get off press that it allowed him to win uh, vertically and consistently stack on guys. I think Golden his, he's a lot more refined as a route runner and knows how to create separation for a big man. Uh, he's just not going to maintain that separation as easily down the field. So maybe more of a contested catch guy. Um, going through here, Michael Pittman's contested catch guy. Isaiah Hodgins is a contested catch guy. Chase Claypool, I know he tested freakishly. He's a contested catch guy. Um, so we got a pretty small list here. Um, if I had to find someone else, I think Reger, going back to him, is in that mix. Uh, Brian Edwards from South Carolina really interests me. I think he could be in play, uh, not round one, probably more. If you feel comfortable with the medicals, round two, but I would say more likely round three, round four for him. Um, and he's just one of the, he's very mean after the catch, runs a, a solid variety of routes, um, sturdy hands, even though he's not going to blow you away in that area. So I think out of all the guys that I'm looking at here, if we're going beyond round one, um, and, and trying to reach for someone in round two, I would say it's Brian Edwards or KJ Hill fitting those prototypes you mentioned. And then for running back, let's, let's take rounds one and two off the table. Cause I do think it's relatively unlikely. Let's oh, look it gets ugly, man. You, you sure you want to go there? <laughs> oh, well, let's let's take bad. round one off the table. How about that? Okay. Can we do that's, that? That's, All right. Yeah, we'll we take round one. <laughs> we'll take round one off the table. Um, the only real qualifier I want to put in here is, I don't know that the Packers ever really like to mess with anything other than three down backs. If, yeah. if, if you can't handle first, second, third down, they're not interested. We don't want scat backs or any of that kind of stuff. So just open for them. But give, give me a running back that you think second round or later could possibly come in and be an every down back if needed, if need be. 
I can give you a couple in round two. <laughs> round three and round four, it starts getting pretty bad. But like round two, um, it depends on the medicals here because Cam Akers and Zach Moss have both had a, a notable medical history. But I think uh, I, I would take Zach Moss over Cam Akers. But Moss is kind of like Kareem Hunt Jr. or Josh Jacobs Jr., however which way you want to put it. Um, power back, 225-ish pounds, 220-ish pounds in, in that ballpark. Um, he's not going to blow you away with speed or athleticism or anything like that, but he's going to run through you. He's going to create yards and find ways to win. He's my running back five, and I think without the medicals, he would be considered a lot higher. I think he'd be kind of in that same tier as Edwards Hilaire. Um, maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire you know, makes it further into round two and, and, and goes back around. Um, it's going to be really weird to see because I, I think one of these top four backs could fall. I don't know which one it's going to be. I think I, I don't think it's going to be Swift, but I think one of these guys could dip. Um, and then lastly, Cam Akers, I think is going to be available in that late round two range. And Akers ran behind a terrible line at Florida State. Um, he didn't get any help at all. Former uh, top recruit who uh, he lost a little bit of his athleticism after his injuries, but He's solid vision, um, runs tough, but like he, he's not going to be that type of I, – I wouldn't say he's not going to be a three-down back. He's just not a guy that can kind of carry the load for you, um, like a Zach Moss or someone like that. So um, after that, it gets, it gets really, really bad because the gap between these round three running backs and everything below – I don't know if you can look into round four, round five, and find a starter. Um, maybe LaMichael Piran from Florida. You can get maybe round five-ish. Who, um, he's not going to give you any dynamic traits, but um, good vision and power, good body type for the position. Uh, he, he just kind of that well-rounded back who you might want to fall in love with in that round four, round five range. Maybe A.J. Dillon if you want to bet on athleticism because you know they don't make many like this guy. They don't make a lot of guys who are six-foot, 250 playing running back and just kind of bulldozing through everybody. Um, and he tested pretty well too for his size. So I think AJ Dillon, LaMichael Piran, possible uh, targets for, for day three is, you know, bigger backs who can kind of carry the load possibly. Um, and then, like I said, Moss and Akers in round two, round three. But outside of that, man, it is, it is, I wouldn't say it's a bad class. There's a lot of guys who I think are going to be very solid backups, a lot of guys who are going to be contributors. I just don't think there's anyone beyond maybe the top five, six guys that are going to be really impact players at running back in this class. And we'll just barely touch on quarterback here, but is there anybody else outside of, you know, the, the first round guys that you think, or at least kind of intrigue you regardless of, of round outside of the um, top ones? There's a couple guys that intrigue me. Um, James Morgan's uh, obviously the local kid, uh, born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, was not recruited by Wisconsin, actually went to mm -hmm. Bowling Green, uh, threw for like 46% in the second year, then transferred out to Florida International. And he's got he's got a big arm. Uh, he certainly has improved a lot from that 46% uh, completion percentage at Bowling Green. Um, but apparently the leadership and, and just the intangibles are off the charts for him. That's where people are buying in. Um, I think he has potential in terms of the arm talent, but he's kind of that pure pocket passer type that seems to be dying out in the NFL a lot lately. I think he's around five-ish type guy, somewhere in that range. Um, Brian Lewerke as well, I think, is in that range um, as a round five type guy. He's a, he's a solid arm guy, not going to make terrible decisions, but he just has too many fluctuations when things get messy, when uh, the pocket collapses. He didn't get a lot of help at Michigan State, but I think he's an interesting um, arm talent type guy. Jacob Easton's obviously the big one. He's, you know, gotten a lot of hype over the course of his career. 
A lot of people thought he was going to be round one, round two in this class. I think he's going to be more round four, maybe round five, just because he's that dying breed of quarterback, that pocket pass who can't do anything else but has a cannon. Um, I think he goes before Lewerke and Morgan, but I think it's real close. In terms of late-round flyers, I'm looking at Anthony Gordon from Washington State who set records for just having insane production there, and, and he has a very odd style of playing football. Um, he always throws all of her body. Doesn't you know? He, his feet are glued to the ground when he's throwing. He's just real awkward in the way he kind of sets things up. But um, has the accuracy and arm talent to be? I wouldn't want to say like a a starting quarterback in that area, but like he he could develop into a very strong backup and and maybe kind of at peak be kind of what Gardner Minshew is right now. Um, and then Cole McDonald from Hawaii is kind of the wild card where he has. So many issues to fix, but very natural arm talent. Ran in the four fives at the combine. Um, has a ton of potential. He's just so far away from where he needs to be. I think McDonald might be an option as a sixth or seventh round flyer pick and try to develop him into maybe a quarterback two down the road. Final question. Um, Ian Rappaport had put out, he was talking to somebody, some high-end executive. I don't know who it was, but he had said that the draft community is way off this year. Um <laughs> In your opinion, what would you think or what, what what things could you maybe anticipate happening as being jaw droppers that happen, whether it's first round or whatever, that most people are way off on that are either expecting or not expecting to happen that you think might happen? Do you mind if I look through my notes here and just kind Absolutely, of see who? Yeah. I know you dropped okay. one on us already, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Which one were you talking about, the Matt Pert one? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Matt Pert certainly. And that's that's just kind of a gut feeling one, but I, th- I think that's one that te- teams are going to fall in love with that athleticism. Um, in terms of quarterbacks, I think Eason's going to. I don't. I don't know because draft community is slowly digging more and more sour on Eason. You've seen him gone from being a first rounder to a second rounder to a third rounder. Now we're talking day day three for Eason. I think Eason's going to comfortably fall into day three. I don't think he's going to go early. Um, I know Jalen Hurts is picking up steam. I don't think he's going to go that early. I think he's going to maybe round three. I think Jake Fromm has a has a chance at round one, just because apparently in the interviews and, and from what I've seen of him um, in that regard and just the smarts are ridiculous. Um, even if you're not getting a very high ceiling guy, you're getting a very high floor guy. So I think some team might be willing to roll a dice, maybe kind of like a Teddy Bridgewater type of, you know, trade up to number 32, take Jake Fromm. Um, that's going to get picked on by the media because everybody in the media hates Fromm, but I think that's that's certainly possible. Um, in terms of running backs, nothing real surprising. I, th- I think we'll just kind of see Swift go um, round one, as, as I said earlier, and maybe maybe we'll see Edward Hilaire or you know Dobbins fall towards the back of round two. I don't think we'll see any real shockers in that area. Um, wide receiver. It's so tough to predict the receivers because there's so many varieties and you can get so many different types of guys. I'm going to say Ruggs falls out of the top 20. I just don't see a guy who's as raw as he is, even with his physical ability and his potential, going super early in a class that's this deep at wide receiver. I think he's going to slip. I think T. Higgins is going to be a round three guy. Um, I know apparently the league loves him, and apparently he's building up all this steam, but um, in terms of what he does on tape and his athletic testing, he's just not there for me. I think he's going to be a round three guy. I think that's going to shock a lot of people. Um, what else? Visca Chenault, I think he's going to go probably – I would say back around three, maybe early round four, and everyone's gonna be wondering how did he fall this far? And oh, he's such a you know good, uh, you know 
steal at this point in the draft. But I think between the injury concerns and not knowing where to play him, I would say LaVisca Chenault is going to go probably early day three. Uh, he, he's going to fall a little bit. Let's see tackles, tackles, tackles. I, I think Robert Hunt, he's not going to go round one, in my opinion, just because there's questions about the medicals and kind of where do you play him. But I think he's going to go round two. I think he might even go towards the top of round two. Um, he's just something else in terms of just the way he's built and the type of toughness and mean attitude he has. He's one of the meanest finishers I've seen in a long time watching guys. Um, so he, he's, in my opinion, going to be a top 50 pick. Um, that might not, not be like that big of a shocker, but I think uh, people are going to be surprised with how high, how high he goes. Um, same with Matt Pert in terms of where Matt Pert goes. Um, nothing really surprising at guard and center. I think Matt Hennessy is probably going to go first round. I don't know if anyone else goes. I think uh, Cesar Ruiz is in for a little bit of a fall. Uh, guard, there's really nothing too shocking there. We might see maybe Ben Bredesen or someone like that get into round two, but nothing stunning. D-tackle, nothing really that's uh, catching my eye in terms of something that's going to be a surprise. AJ Epines, <clears throat> and I know we didn't touch on the uh, on the edge guys very much. I think he's gonna he's in for a fall. I don't think he's going to fall off the map or anything, but I think he's going to be more of a, a mid-round two type of guy. Um, obviously he has a, a great body type and he's very powerful, but there are limitations to him that I think a lot of NFL teams are going to be scared off by. Um, linebackers, Logan Wilson. I don't, he's not going to go around one in my opinion, just cause he's not as, I, I wouldn't say he doesn't have the same kind of accolades as some of these other top guys, but I do think that he's kind of limited, not limited as an athlete necessarily, but like he's not that kind of all-world linebacker athlete that you want in round one, like a Patrick Queen or Isaiah Simmons. So I think he's going to go round two, um, which might be rich for some people. I think he's going to go early-ish round two. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get in the top 40 um, and just kind of be like an early round two pick. Cornerback, uh, man, we we didn't touch on this of the whole Okuda versus Henderson thing, but that's a really interesting one to me because I despise Henderson's tape. Um, I think he's he's a little bit too sloppy with his footwork, and his tackling is some of the worst tackling I've ever seen for a corner. It is downright atrocious. There are people saying that he he's getting more hype than Akuda in uh, in draft rooms right now, and saying, "Oh, he's going to go over Akuda now." If Henderson goes over Akuda, I'm going to have to find something to do in terms of just like a bet or something, just something crazy. Because man, I, I can't imagine being in an NFL room and saying, "Yes, we're going to take the corner who doesn't tackle." Over the guy who has incredible footwork and just a complete game. Um, so I, I wouldn't be stunned if Henderson ended up slipping a little bit relative to expectations. Um, that's just personal belief more than – like I don't have any inside info there. I just really do not like Henderson. Um, I think Javaris Davis from Auburn is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I know he's not the biggest guy, probably going to be a nickel with the next level um, and has been mostly considered a day three guy, but I think – He's going to sneak in around too. I think the athletic testing and the potential and what he could be um, is going to excite a lot of teams, and I think he's going to sneak in uh, late. And then lastly, I'm going to say Ashton Davis uh, goes round one. I, I know a lot of people are questioning, okay, you know, the medicals uh, are, are a situation to worry about, and he didn't test, but um, Ashton Davis, in my opinion, is one of the most complete players in the draft. I think he's going to go top 25, and I think Jeremy Chen also is, is going to be in that top 25 mix just because he's – and a freakish type safety. So um, those would be kind of my my throwaway ones that I'll, I'll give you. Of, here's kind of what I think is going to happen. Obviously, um, that's more more opinion than actual you know inside knowledge or anything like that. But uh, 
I feel pretty comfortable with a lot of those things happening. We'll have to see how it plays out. Mark, as always, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to let you get back to work. I know you got a lot to do. And uh, my wife was telling me the apartment building next door is on fire, and I want to go look at it. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to let you go, That's a way to end the man. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll talk to you in a little bit. And again, guys, uh, go check out Mark. It's, uh, what, what, tell him where to find you. I, I can never You can remember. find me uh, on Twitter at What's on Draft NFL or com. I'll be posting the link to buy that uh, that uh, draft guide here shortly, both on Twitter and uh, and on the uh, website. So that will be available soon um, once I get all these summaries put together and kind of finalize that whole package. So uh, here in a couple of days, it'll be out, and then we'll be on to the draft. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. You take care. You too.